It was night, and the white faces and the scarlet banners were luridly floodlit. The square was packed with several thousand people, including a block of about a thousand schoolchildren in the uniform of the spies. On a scarlet-draped platform, an orator of the inner party, a small, lean man with disproportionately long arms and a large, bald skull over which a few lank locks straggled, was haranguing the crowd. A little Rumpelstiltskin figure, contorted with hatred. He gripped the neck of the microphone with one hand, while the other, enormous at the end of a bony arm, clawed the air menacingly above his head. His voice, made metallic by the amplifiers, boomed forth an endless catalog of atrocities, massacres, deportations, lootings, rapings, tortures of prisoners, bombing of civilians, lying propaganda, unjust aggressions, broken treaties. It was almost impossible to listen to him without being first convinced and then maddened. Well, Jordan, we're back. We're back for another round. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Did you have a nice holiday? We did. Really low-key. Um, lots of couch time and kids Kids enjoyed presents and, you know, all the good Christmas things. Good. Us too. Saw some family, the ones that wanted to be seen, and others didn't. It's an interesting time. With permission, we kidnapped my 90-year-old, 90-year-old grandmother from her. Oh, long-term care home okay and brought her out for christmas dinner and we've seen her exactly twice since march thanksgiving and christmas day and wow she's doing fine she's healthy she's uh, content in that facility they do a good job and i think they've done a good job with all the madness but um still not the same as seeing her every week like we're accustomed to yeah yeah well that's great for christmas Took took some uh, strong-willed people to do that, I think. Well, I'm glad the facility is allowing that to happen now. She has to quarantine for a week afterward, but honestly, that's kind of the way she lives her life anyway. Cooler heads have prevailed, at least there. Well, what are we talking about this week? Well, Well, we have to, to know that we have to check on what we're allowed to talk about this week. Have you checked with the Ministry of Truth today? Right. The the number of acceptable topics is rapidly dwindling, I think, and that's what we want to talk about. We can wish Dr. Fauci a happy birthday. Okay. The mayor of D.C. Uh, officially changed Christmas Eve, which is his birthday, to Dr. Anthony Fauci Day. Really? I don't know if that's a permanent thing or something she just did this year, but... Just by fiat? Yeah. By just, edict? She just did it. It's Dr. Fauci Day? In D.C. anyway. Holy cow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm learning things. Well, uh, also we have the dancing nurses are popping up again. Lots that's, of those videos. That's a significance. What do you make of that? Well, on the surface, it it's frustrating because let's go back to March, as we keep seeming to do in our, in our podcasts. In March, we were told we needed two weeks to slow the spread, to flatten the curve. Why? Because we didn't want to send waves and waves and waves of sick people to the hospitals and collapse them, right? 
That right. was the pretext for the entire lockdown. The hospitals weren't overwhelmed. Um, but that two weeks to slow the spread is is now 10 months to slow the spread. And a lot of people have lost jobs in order for doctors and nurses to keep theirs. And we're being told even as recently as last week that hospitals are still being overwhelmed. When in fact, the publicly available HHS data in the United States shows that hospitals aren't anywhere near being overwhelmed. And are in fact, many of them are struggling to pay the bills because they don't have enough customers. Thus, the CARES bailout money. And hence, the dancing nurses appear to be a, an admission or a, a, an indication that they don't have anything better than to do. Because are, are these just spontaneous dances? I mean, what you were, you were mentioning earlier that these seem to be... They're choreographed. Well choreographed, yeah. You have a group of, of 10 or, or more people all doing the same thing. That's practiced. That's choreographed. They've taken time, and maybe not lots of time, but they've taken time to to do this performance art and then share it on the internet without any without any seeming clue how tone deaf and that 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 that, that they are while on the one hand the media is telling us that the hospital the hospitals are overrun and everybody that works at the hospital is a frontline hero and then they're dancing carefree uh, it, it, there's in, a disconnect there in, in, in sequence in uh, choreographed synchronicity <laughs> right synchronization i saw one uh i don't know on twitter or something someone said do you think this is a signal for the hospital the hospital workers way of telling us that the media is lying <laughs> i don't think it is because i think i think far too many hospital employees are buying into this idea that they are heroes and that they're acting like heroes you also see a lot of individual doctors and nurses taking videos of themselves, usually sweaty and with a mask on, talking about how difficult it is to work these long hours and to send people into the next life whose last dying breath is, I wish I would have taken COVID more seriously. These stories are easier, easily debunked, a lot of them, but also on their face, they're just ridiculous because a person who is traumatized, a person who has gone through a truly difficult uh, experience, their first mode of defense, their first way of coping with that is not to film a selfie video and to brag about it on social media. Maybe social media is changing us enough that that's becoming more normal. The way we deal with, with real trauma is to brag about it on the internet. But I don't think we're totally there yet. And so I think that it's just, the term I like to use is clout chasing. You have clout chasing people enjoying this moment of, of, uh, of adulation that they're receiving from the media. Right. Imagine if in the aftermath of 9-11 or even during, during 9-11, on that actual day, imagine videos of, of firefighters dancing in the streets of New York or uh, taking videos of themselves saying how hard it was to pull wreckage and bodies from the from the rubble of the buildings it would have been absurdly obscene and offensive that's what these doctors and nurses are doing except that well never mind 
<laughs> Except that. <laughs> you, you don't want to go there? Are we self-censoring here? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say, except that 9-11 was, was arguably more uh, a, a much more uh, devastating crisis than COVID has been. Right, but they'll say that we're losing an, uh, a 9-11 every day. Yeah, Which is wrong. That just isn't how the data is reported. The data, the death data has yeah. lags. And so some of these 3,000 deaths, some of those deaths may have been three months ago, and they're just now being counted because they're confirmed in the death toll. Right, but we're dealing with seasonal illness. This is, if, if you want to, we can, we can make this up. I mean, heart disease, it's a 9-11 every day. And then that's type two diabetes. It's a nine eleven every day. Eight thousand people die in the United States every day on average on any given day. Yeah, are we are we telling people which state we're in yet? I'm I, that might have been cut from the first podcast. I think we have. Well, uh, on the freeway, on the way up here, coming north into into town, there's a billboard that says that in Utah there have been like eleven hundred drug and alcohol abuse deaths this year which is interesting because there's been about 1,100 COVID deaths and those numbers, the COVID Co- deaths are cooked. COVID related. COVID rela- with COVID, with COVID deaths, air quotes, meaning about half of those are unrelated comorbidities. The other half are flu and pneumonia and about 6% of that is actual COVID only. And so I'll give them the flu and pneumonia deaths, but that, that makes it a seasonal illness. That makes it a, a regular, pretty much a regular seasonal illness. And... Again, I'll, I'll give a shout out to our first podcast. We've got some pretty good charts that I did personally by pulling the spreadsheet data, the database, the actual numeric data from the CDC on total deaths. and All, all cause deaths. All causes. And I did that because, you know, there's so much perverse incentive to report COVID, to, to report the deaths as COVID deaths that the only way we can tell if there's anything really going on is to look at total deaths. And so you can see that in April there was a spike, but it was rivaled by the 2017 flu spike Mm -hmm. and it tailed off. And we don't have any excess deaths anymore, which is why they got to focus on case counts now. But I think the point is, you know, what what we're getting at is we're not seeing much truth coming out of the corporate media and we have to make sense of these strange happenings like the dancing nurses. If the nurses have time to choreograph dances and then post them on the internet and comment on all this stuff, then there's not a pandemic. If uh, you made the comment, Bobby, that you know, if, it's, if the disease is so bad that you have to get tested to know that you have it. A deadly pandemic, a deadly virus makes its own case. You don't need a freeway lined with billboards. Right. Telling you to, to wear a mask. Be afraid and but, wear a mask. But but the uh, the point is that merits zero policy response. Zero policy response. This there's no reason for any of the policy response. The only the only policy I could imagine that would be appropriate in a free and honest society would be that the health departments put out an informative bulletin repeatedly to nursing homes and old people to say you are at risk you are at risk to warn them that they are at risk and if the news media were to help with that i guess that would be a plausible use of of the stolen looted 
tax money, <laughs> you know, but that, that, that would be what, a, what an honest, fair, right thinking, appropriate government or, or public health agency would do would be to put out the bulletin and say, look, we've got a disproportionate number of old people that are going to be affected this year by this odd seasonal ailment, which is tailing off. You know, we are building quote unquote herd immunity, but anyway, the point, the point being that there are all these strange things happening and the, what we're going to talk about today is the fact that there is an intensification, uh, of what topics we cannot, that are being censored from the public discourse on social media, on the internet and self-censored in the corporate media. There's a, there's an increasing number of things you cannot say or talk about and so today's today's podcast is going to be again on censorship but more along the lines of the type of brain damage that has occurred amongst people you know i would call it the disease of statism or the disease of or the brain damage of of statism and you know there there's a there's an interesting analogy in the Star Trek series, which is the Borg, right? This is the cyber, cybernetic race. They're half machine, half, half human, and they've become a hive mind and they all think the same and they assimilate. They, they capture and process everyone into their race and turn them into one of them. And they say things like, resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. Your uniqueness will be added to our own. You will be assimilated. You know, it's, the, uh, it's amazing what's happening. The book and movie, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, satirizes the board really brilliantly. If you haven't, Tell us if you about haven't that. seen that. Well, they just have a race of people that are so tied down with bureaucracy. And what are they called? I don't remember. Is it the Vogons? Isn't that what it is? It might be. But they're so tied down with with rules and bureaucracy that there's a a crisis in the in the in the form of the main characters of the movie are escaping from from prison, if I remember right, and they're in the middle of the chase trying to to capture them. And the lunch bell rings, and they all they all stop the chase because the lunch bell has spoken and they got to go eat their right. lunch. They're so tied to these rules and the bureaucracy and they have to get approvals upon approvals upon yeah. approvals to go chase after the, the, the escape. This, this is okay. This is interesting because this is what Wikipedia says about the Vogons. The Vogons are a fictional alien race from the planet, from the planet, <laughs> from the planet Vo- Vogue sphere. Does that sound like blog sphere or perhaps the Twitter, Twitter sphere and the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy? Uh, by Douglas Adams, who are responsible for the destruction of the earth. (laughs) That's what they say. They attribute the destruction of the earth to the Vogons. And they're doing this in order to facilitate an intergalactic highway construction progress project for a hyperspace express route. So they're doing this to facilitate a highway. The Vogons are slug-like, but vaguely humanoid. They're bulkier than humans, and they have green skin. They are described as, quote, one of the most unpleasant races in the galaxy, not actually evil, but bad-tempered, bureaucratic, officious, and callous, and, quote, having as much sex appeal as a road accident. (laughs) 
as well as being the authors of, quote, the third worst poetry in the universe. I'm sorry, are we talking about a fictional race no. or public health officials? <laughs> I think we're talking about something real <laughs> here. These are the Vogons. So, uh, yeah, good, good point. So um, somewhere between the Borg, which, you know, I guess they wouldn't consider themselves either either. They evil either. They're just simply doing what they do, which is assimilating other races. And so you have this element in uh, the reality, this crazy reality that we're experiencing here where there's a segment of the population, maybe 20, 30%. I can't, I can't think it's half. I'm, I really don't think that it's half of America that's gone Vogon or Borg on us. But there's, there's a large number of, I guess what the, it wasn't Lenin, it was somebody else would call, um, so Trotsky, I can't remember, they called them useful idiots in, in the communist uh, Russia era. And so these people really believe it. They, they drink the Kool-Aid. They're true believers. Now, at the top, I think there is definitely a group of people who are well-knowing evil conspirators, but they're, they're in a vast minority. They're a small group of people that plans this out and influences the bureaucratic mechanisms and the corporate uh, media me- uh, machinery in order to create the type of groupthink that they want amongst their Vogon Borg subordinates. So that so that's what's going on. And you can see, I, I think these people at the very top follow two different, um, there's two different principles that these controllers, I think, follow. And one is that they will pre-message, they will put into the media uh, a telegraphing of what they're doing whether it's in advance or at the time, they will tell you what they're doing. And they literally will put the truth out there and they will, I think, their their ethos, their um, internal uh, code of conduct that by which they, you know, their internal mental map by which they operate that gives them their integrity, whatever they think of as their integrity, requires that they tell you this so that, they can say they've told you. Well, we, if you know, you, you knew this was happening. And then the second thing that they require is consent. They require consent from a certain portion of the population. And so they manufacture this consent and they tell people what's happening and then they get the people to go along with it. And then, well, of course, they, they deserve to rule us because we asked for it and we approved of it. And so I think you're seeing in the hospitals and all, all the, it's kind of, it's as if there, there's schizophrenic news coming out. It doesn't make any sense because on one hand, they're telling you the hospitals are overrun. And on the other hand, they'll publish the stats and say they're not overrun. And then they'll have, um, they'll have dancing nurses, repeatedly dancing nurses, especially at the times when they say that the, the situation, situation is the most acute and the most severe. So I think that's, I think that's what's going on. And so anyway, Back to our um, our ti- uh, possible titles for today's podcast. One of the one of the things we could call today's podcast is the origin story for 1984, because we're dealing with this massive groupthink that defies reality in, in so many ways. And then another another title I thought we could call it is mass Stockholm syndrome. Of course, that's where the the captive falls in love with the captor, 
And another title we could use today, I think, is Lest We Forget, because there's a lot of things on the table that they are trying to memory hole, to to get rid of, uh, to erase the existence of and cause a collective amnesia, a mass amnesia amongst the people. Well, we've had that mass amnesia has has um, kicked in. There's things that that were said in January of 2020, February, March, which are completely forgotten. Among them, the Surgeon General's warning not to buy masks, Fauci's warning not to buy masks. Fauci, who said in the end of January, lockdowns are not possible, they're not helpful. You know, just a few months later, he was cheering on the lockdowns and, and is still, it's still today here in, well, it's December 28th, 2020, is still saying that we need to do more to mitigate and to slow the spread. They're still using the same propaganda, the same terminology. It's almost like we're restarting the entire process. Here we are in late 2020. We're starting to hear rumors of a, of a coronavirus mutation, a new strain that actually sent England into strict lockdowns today, which is just like the end of last year when we started hearing rumors of a, a coronavirus coming out of China, some mysterious thing. Now, of course, we didn't start locking down until later, but now they already have the precedent and they have the mechanisms in place, the mechanisms of control in place, and they have a fearful, compliant public to go along with it. I found this great article uh, authored by Philip Magnus of the American Institute for Economic Research. The AIER has been one of the great um, it's funny. I just have. I are you pulling the site. same thing up? Let's let's let me, go through. Let me you give these you guys, go through that. Well, I don't. I don't know if it's the same article, but it is the same let, article. Let, <laughs> these guys. I want to give these guys a plug. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker. These guys have been on point since the very beginning. In the very beginning, they raised the alarm about liberty, freedom, the propaganda, the hysteria, the the misuse of numbers and data. They've been on point since mm-hmm. the beginning. We're talking about the American Institute here for economic research. So go ahead. You had a thought to do with this article that we both had. Well, I was just going to run through. I mean, first thing that they've got 12 points here, and we'll post a link to this on our website so you can read this article. But this is so significant. These are um, just direct reversals that we've seen this year, which are reminiscent of the scene in 1984. Let's first read the scene from 1984, because there's a scene in 1984, we've mentioned it before, where the supreme leader changes the enemy. And if you don't know anything about 1984, you should at least find out about it. Um, you should at least read a summary of it. Not not a short summary, but a pretty good synopsis of it. It's a short, albeit a bit depressing book, and it's 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 easy to find out there for free. I read it when I was 18 years old in uh, you know high school literature class, and it was the last book that I read the, the teacher assigned. From then on, I did the Cliff Notes because I was so angry that our teacher had us read this. It made me so angry. I just did not, you know, I didn't want to read anything else. It was uh, infuriating, but it was good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he had us read it. I didn't get it at the time, but there's 
the situation in 1984 is that you have three super states that have evolved. Now remember, this was written right after World War II. Three super states evolved. The world was basically divided into three sections, Oceania, East Asia, and Eurasia. And generally, the geopolitical situation was that two of the states would be allied against the other state. And we've seen that. That has been the post-World War II history. It's been the United States or the Anglo-American establishment, which included most of Western Europe. Then you had Eurasia with uh, Russia. And then you have China, which with Indonesia and all of those uh, island areas can be considered... Could be considered an Oceania, but that's not the way it's set up in, in uh, 1984. In 1984, Oceania includes the United States or the Western Hemisphere and England. And Orwell's not super specific about the geogra- geographic region. Point. It's not the that's point. That's not the point. It's not the point. But, but, we, but Jordan's right in that we have seen big conglomerate super axis, states. axis and allies, basically. Yeah, yeah. Which is what World World War Two. The two sides were were massive super states, right? And that that was kind of the first time that that had happened. But the three, the tripolar world, is is a real thing, and that's what's been going on since the fifties. And we don't really recognize it because we've seen it as a bipolar world for for most of the Cold War, but it really is a tripolar world. And it was for a long time China. China was. China's kind of been in between, you know, they, they're communist, but they've been courted by the West quite a bit. And so you could, you could argue that it's been going back and forth, but it's mostly China, Russia, and the United States of America. In any case, there's a scene in 1984 that is so important. And that is when they're at a rally of the party, the English Socialist Party, commonly called Ingsoc, and the enemy changes in the middle of a speech. So their, their, their ally changes and their enemy changes. And I just want to read that to you. It's quite amazing. It goes like this. It was night and the white faces and the scarlet banners were luridly floodlit. The square was packed with several thousand people, including a block of about a thousand school children in the uniform of the spies. On a scarlet draped platform, an orator of the inner party, a small lean man with disproportionately long arms and a large bald skull over which a few lank locks straggled, was haranguing the crowd. A little Rumpelstiltskin figure contorted with hatred. He gripped the neck of the microphone with one hand, while the other, enormous at the end of a bony arm, clawed the air menacingly above his head. His voice, made metallic by the amplifiers, boomed forth an endless catalog of atrocities, massacres, deportations, lootings, rapings, tortures of prisoners, bombing of civilians, lying propaganda, unjust aggressions, broken treaties. It was almost impossible to listen to him without being first convinced and then maddened. That is the mainstream corporate media right now. At every few moments, the fury of the crowd boiled over and the voices of the speaker or the voice of the speaker was drowned by a wild beast-like roaring that rose uncontrollably from thousands of throats there's your twitter mob the most savage yells of all came from the school children oh my gosh orwell holy cow this guy is right on target 
the public schools, and the university. The speech had been proceeding for perhaps 20 minutes when a messenger hurried onto the platform and a scrap of paper was slipped into the speaker's hand. He unrolled and read it without pausing in his speech. Nothing altered in his voice or manner or in the content of what he was saying, but suddenly the names were different. Without words said, a wave of understanding rippled through the crowd. Oceana was at war with East Asia. The next moment, there was a tremendous commotion. The banners and posters with which the square was decorated were all wrong. Quite half of them had the wrong faces on them. It was sabotage. The agents of Goldstein had been at work. There was a riotous interlude while the posters were ripped from the walls, banners torn to shreds and trampled underfoot. The spies performed prodigies of activity in clamoring over the rooftops and cutting the streamers that fluttered from the chimneys. But within two or three minutes, it was all over. The orator, still gripping the neck of the microphone, his shoulders hunched forward, his free hand clawing at the air, had gone straight on with his speech. One minute more, and the feral roars of rage were again bursting from the crowd. The hate continued exactly as before, except the target had been changed. And skipping a paragraph here, he goes on and he says... Oceana was at war with East Asia. Oceana had always been at war with East Asia. A large part of the political literature of five years was now completely obsolete. Reports and records of all kinds, newspapers, books, pamphlets, films, soundtracks, photographs, all had to be rectified at lightning speed. Although no directive was ever issued, that's important because this is about mind control, not necessarily direct orders where everybody's forced to do it. And that's what we see with the corporate media and the, what we'd call the useful idiots or the Vogons or the Borg. Although no directive was ever issued, it was known that the chiefs of the department intended that within one week, no reference to the war with Eurasia or the alliance with East Asia should remain in existence anywhere. Wow. We've always quarantined the healthy. We've always worn masks. You've always needed a vaccination and not natural immunity to become immune. It's always only been by immunization that a person can become immune from the virus. We've always had electronic voting machines that were reliable. It's worth noting that the WHO, quietly in November, changed the definition of herd immunity. Their prior definition said that herd immunity comes from the spread of an infection among people, people who get the disease or get the virus and recover and develop immunity. That herd, that herd immunity then uh, makes it harder for the virus to spread, right? It's right. pretty basic. Vaccines can help with that. The WHO changed the definition to eliminate the natural part of it, which you alluded to, to only include vaccination. Herd, immuni herd, herd immunity can only be achieved through vaccination, not through the natural spread of a virus. They literally combed their website, and we can link to an article on this as well from the, from the page this podcast is found on. But they've, they spent time combing their website, removing all references to obtaining natural immunity to viruses. And uh, there have been researchers out there that have done the work 
they have screenshotted the website from the archive.org archives, which the question is how long will archive.org remain with any integrity? Right. Because it provides a snapshot into the past. The convenience of the of the internet and digital news and digital sources is is uh, you know widely exceptional widely widely lauded as it should be but it also means that it can be changed things can be changed things can yeah. be rewritten without anybody ever knowing right we don't in the last 20 years we haven't amassed as significant of a stack of paper periodicals magazines books as we have electronic. So there's there's a potential for mischief there. Anyway, this isn't the first time that the World Health Organization has changed the definition. It's not widely known that they changed the definition of pandemic around 20, 2009, 2010. After they, after they tried to manufacture a pandemic in 2009, you'll remember that. Which one was that, swine flu? I think that was, was that H1N1? Is that the same bird, thing? Bird flu? Swine flu? I can't remember. They've been, they've been steadily pushing pandemic, the, the idea that we're going to have a pandemic for 15, 20 years. And so every time that you would see j- just the specter of, of the potential for a communicable d- disease, the mechanisms, the machinery, the, the corporate media would broadcast, oh, there's something crazy going on in Asia. There's, there's, a, there's a pandemic over there or the Zika pandemic or whatever. Uh, Bobby, you mentioned this to me. You, you pointed out that there was a pandemic in, or the American media was widely publicizing and, and propagating fear about a Brazilian disease. And then you were actually in country and- Zika. It was called Zika? Okay. What, what happened there? Well, this was uh, just a few years ago, maybe 2015, 16 in that area. Mm-hmm. A lot of listeners probably will remember the Zika scare. Well, during that time, and, and the origin of Zika was, was Brazil, and it was said to spread through mosquitoes. Well, during, during that time, I went to Brazil twice, and it was... It was business as usual down there. Nobody cared. There were just no, nothing, no hysteria, no news, no nothing, right? The only people that I saw that were covered in head to toe in long sleeves and things were American tourists who had been frightened, yet not frightened enough to forego their vacation to Rio. Right. So where were they getting this bad information? Like what what was going on in the, you remember the American news media? Well, the... Yeah, the American news media was was pumping this out and saying that this was that this was gonna that this was going to to be a, ca- a, a, a catastrophe. catastrophe, and we could we could probably look look up some of the headlines. By the way, that was the two thousand nine pandemic was H one N one. Okay. So what you're saying is though, when you went down to Brazil, you were somewhat concerned, right, because of the reporting, and then when you get there, it's like nothing is going on. Like the, like two different, there's two different stories being told. One told to the Brazilians and one told to the Americans. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, this has been the fervor over the potential for a pandemic has been building steadily in the last 15, 20 years and intentionally so to the point where we had the event 201 tabletop exercise last year and then as if on cue 
the pandemic. And because the World Health Organization had been able to change the definition of pandemic and remove the idea of any level of severity or let's not call it severity, seriousness, because severity, severe is a technical medical term. So is serious. Severe means intense. Serious has to do with whether it'll kill you or not. So case, case is a technical uh, medical term that's been completely obliterated this year. Right. So they, they have these terms they're using against us with their jargon that mean things to them that they don't mean the same thing to us. So when they say pandemic used to people, people prior to, you know, 2009, we thought a pandemic was dangerous. In this case, it turns out a pandemic is not dangerous. A pandemic is just contagious. And that's the how the World Health Organization changed their definition in 2009. It focuses on contagion and not danger or seriousness, whether it'll kill you. And so now, in order to um, promote vaccinations, they are taking out the language that describes how your body has always gained immunity, which is through natural immunity, and they've also put out issued guidance recently to um, support the vaccines by coming clean on the fact that the PCR tests don't work as well as they should, or that they create a lot of false positives if they have a high cycle threshold count. And so now, as if on cue, they've issued guidance telling people not to do as high of a cycle threshold. And that's going to make the number of cases go down because we've been creating so many false positives. Uh, Tell us about how this, like you have done some research on this, how certain states like our state's probably doing about 40 in Utah versus the uh, versus major league sports. Well, I don't have actual numbers because they're not, they're not disclosing those. They won't publish them, but Florida did, right? Florida has asked, the governor of Florida has said that that needs to be required. The, gov- the government of New Jersey said it can't be published for privacy reasons, and I have no idea why that would be related. But um, this, the way the cycle, the cycle threshold works is the, the larger the number, and I have a very rudimentary understanding of this, because before March of 2020, I didn't, I didn't care or know anything about PCR testing. He's like, what is polymerase? What is a chain reaction? But you know what? That puts me in the same company as most medical doctors because right. this was not a medical procedure. This was a research tool that people used in, in, uh, in development, in research and development, not in diagnosis. Not in, you wouldn't go to the doctor last year with flu symptoms and say, yeah, doc, I've, I'm achy and I've, I've got a chest cold and I'm congested. He wouldn't have said, let's give you a PCR test. Let's see if you've got an influenza virus. Right. He we, don't, said, we don't test for common seasonal ailments or colds or what. We just, that's not done. He, he probably would have said, is there anything else going on? No, just this. Okay, well, rest, take some vitamin C, watch some movies. Yeah, that's pre-2020. Right. Anyway, so so medical doctors, and I include state, public, government epidemiologists in this, they don't know what PCR testing is. They never heard of it before March. I, I would venture to guess that 99 out of 100 of them, or let's say 49 out of the 50 state epidemiologists, probably never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So the larger the number, the more that 
the uh, whatever the whatever the test, whatever the process is looking for is amplified. So a, a, a cycle threshold of 40 amplifies the signal oh, oh, one trillion times. One trillion. We're talking orders of magnitude here. This is like right. exponential. This is not this is not like adding 10 every time. This it's, is like multiplying it by itself every time. It's not people I think think of 40 and they think that it looks for something 40 times or whatever. No, it's 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 like 2 times 2 times 2 times it's like 2 to the 40th power. That's what it is. And so at a at a cycle threshold of 40 you're going to find viral load because they prime it to look for virus. Right. The guy that invented this, who won the Nobel Prize for it, he said, and, and this this has been widely debunked, strangely enough, the fact checkers will say that he didn't say this, but he basically said you can find pretty much anything in anyone if you turn the cycle threshold up to about 40. So most of these states are using high cycle thresholds. Like 35 to 40. Which Fauci himself is on record saying 35 is useless. 35 and above is useless. But of course, that's not widely uh, talked about, nor nor does anybody do anything about it to turn these tests down or completely off and just stop using them. So the other thing that's interesting, and we might have brought this up in our previous episode, is because we don't know the cycle thresholds and there's no universal standard, then that means there's no universal standard for what constitutes a case other than a positive PCR test, which from state to state, city to city, county to county, could all mean different things. So what's what's a case in New York might not be a case in Michigan, which might not be a case in Illinois, which might not be a case in Utah. We don't know. We don't know. All we know, all we have are these numbers, these positive tests, which have been conflated into cases. Cases, that's a medical term. It's and it's never been it's never been related to a positive test. It's usually a test, maybe test results combined with symptoms. Symptoms combined with 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 a doctor's visit. I can I can go I can schedule a test right now, a PCR test for SARS-CoV-2. I can schedule a test. I can go get the test. I can be declared positive and counted as a case without ever talking to a single doctor. Right. No diagnosis, no symptoms. Not sick. Right. There's been studies recently that are showing that there is zero or very close to zero asymptomatic spread of SARS-CoV-2. Another thing that Dr. Fauci said early on, Asymptomatic right. spread does not drive pandemics. He said that. Right. Right. The, we'll get to the, this list here in a second. Now, you made the point that the Major League Baseball and the NFL were able to stay open be, and they they're and the NBA. They're testing all the time, right? But they're doing Reportedly, something different. This is my theory. And, and I have some kind of circumstantial evidence, right? I don't have any inside info, but these sports leagues, first of all, I found it insane that the NBA shut down in the spring, followed by basically everybody else. NCAA, the NCAA basketball shut down their tournament, the, the March Madness. 
that's the only place that NCAA basketball makes money. And they, they wipe that out. Anyway, college football, NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, these guys are testing all, all the time. I know one local school here in Utah was testing their football players three times a week. And they managed to play 12 games. They had a, they had a couple reschedules and cancellations due to, uh, I love this term, COVID concerns. Not that they had a bunch of sick people on their team, but they had some positive tests. They still managed to play a full season. Well, it's my theory that their PCR uh, process, their PCR cycle threshold, cycle threshold was lower. There's a there's a case of Nick Saban, coach of Alabama, the most successful football team in the last decade, right? College football. They're undefeated this year. They're probably going to win the national title. Nick Saban, earlier in the year, tested positive before a big game. He said, well, I'm fine. I'm not sick. And they said, well, you need three negative tests to be declared clean. So he went out and got three negative tests, and he coached in the game. Later on, he tested positive again. And this time he said, well, I have some symptoms, and he sat out a game. I think he just went and got three negative tests with someone that, with a lab that said, we'll put the cycle threshold really low, and we'll give you three three negatives. So the point being is this PCR test, the PCR test is the pandemic because they can literally in software turn the cycle threshold up or down and manipulate the number of cases. Now, are, are all the labs doing this? Probably not, but they are using high cycle thresholds, I think. Even 30, 30, 32, 33, you're going to find dead virus. You're going to find virus in somebody that was maybe sick three months ago and is still shedding that viral load. You're going to find that in people because like the founder said, like the inventor said, you can find anything in anyone. He also had interesting things to say about Fauci, which is which uh, you can go look up. Well, and that's all, that's all uh, important material. And it, it's going to be important to remember that this is manipulable when they start to show if they start to show cases going down as the vaccine is rolled two, out. Two things will will cause cases to go down. Three things. Number one is seasonality, okay? So in the spring. In the spring, fewer people are going to get sick because more people start going outside and more people will start being more active and not being cooped up with their sick sick kids. And it's just season, seasonal. It's... A, it's uh, <laughs> We call it cold and flu season for a reason. Okay, the the other thing, so one, seasonality. Two, the inauguration of Joe Biden. And three, as you mentioned, the rollout of the vaccine. So as one of those things is natural and is going to happen no matter what. Fewer people are going to get sick in the spring. That's in the, in the, of course, in the summer. That's how life goes. Mm-hmm. The other two things are not natural and are extremely manipulative and i think as i think that has been planned all along at least here in the united states so joe biden can claim that he conquered the virus and also that the vaccine works well that's one possibility there's also another possibility and that is that they'll continue to try to inculcate the public with fear with these second wave third wave types of things and so you can see how there are multiple options being set up in the narrative and generally, it doesn't matter which option they go with. 
there's always some reversal that occurs that we can point to and, and right. show that they're, they're, they're switching enemies mid-speech. Uh, this article on, um, by Philip Magnus on the AIER website is pretty amazing. I mean, listen to these reversals. The first one he lists is that in January, Dr. Fauci said that lockdowns were not possible in the United States. He says, that's something I don't think we could possibly do. I can't imagine shutting down New York or Los Angeles. And then he says, when you shut things down, it doesn't have a major effect. That's what he said. And less than two months later, 43 of the 50 states were under lockdown, a policy that he himself advocated. That's, hu- that's huge. And here, 10, 10 months later, L.A. and New York are under some of the strictest lockdowns and have also experienced some of the you know, worst uh, outcomes. Yeah. Number two, the U.S. government and the World Health Organization officials advised against mask use in February and March. They took to the airwaves to describe masks as ineffective and they discouraged their use. The Surgeon General, Jerome Adams, tweeted against masks on February 29th. Anthony Fauci publicly discouraged mask use in a nationally broadcast 60 Minutes interview on March 7th. These are things that the mainstream is listening to. This is what's so crazy about it, because um, March 30th, World Health Organization briefing. That, uh, that interview with 60 Minutes, he didn't, just, he didn't just say, don't wear masks. He was extremely condescending about it kind of dismissed the people who thought that they were a good idea. You could tell in his tone of voice, he calls them symbolic. He says kind of disdainly, you might wear one as a gesture or a symbol, but but no, they don't do anything. Okay, so the point is not necessarily, I mean, the point is that, that masks are negligible, ineffective. You know, they may have no effect. That That is one of the points, but the big point here is we're talking 60 minutes. We're talking Surgeon General tweets at a time when everyone is tuned in to this virus. And then the narrative changed and everyone believed the change. That is what is so striking. Are right. you one of Instantly those almost. are you one of those people that has that short of a memory that you're able to be programmed immediately by the corporate media? I mean are you one of those guys, as described in 1984, that will get out and tear down the banners and say they must be subterfuge, propaganda from the enemy, must have been placed there by the enemies? Is Russian, it's Russian disinformation. Russian disinfor- disinformation. Russian disinformation. That is what is going on. That is, that is astounding to see this real time. Well, and Fauci, when he reversed course... Unlike 1984, he he offered some sort of explanation. Said he, well, I didn't want, I didn't want to run on on masks for for our healthcare workers. Well, that's a that's an excuse, I think. Um, well, of course, because they is. have to. Because we know that the we know that the real world has to be a slightly more well and, and uh, health, defined. Healthcare workers wear the N95 filters. That's not what the public was going out and buying. The public was wearing bandanas and uh, neck gaiters. And the WHO literally told people 
or the CDC told him to cut up a t-shirt and make one out of, make a mask out of a sleeve. Like yeah. the, the public wasn't going out and buying N95s. I've still yet to see a public random person out there at the grocery store or wherever with an N95, properly fitted N95 mask. They're all wearing decorative things or those cheap little surgical Right, which have masks. no effect. Right. That's why you need an N95 mask because it actually has an effect even, on viruses. Even those, the, the, the studies, the pre-2020 studies have shown that it's a, a negligible effect and, and really only effective in conjunction with other PPE such as goggles, gowns, gloves which nobody's, nobody's right. out We've, there wearing. We, and that's another point. We've known how masks work for a long time, for decades. This is not new. The fact that they say we need a study is really defies logic because we already know how these masks work. We knew, we knew it prior to 2020. Well, here's another one. Uh, Anthony Fauci's decimal error in estimating COVID fatality rates, Right. His testimony was that COVID was 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. This is March. In March. And now <clears throat> we all know that it's about the same, but we're still doing the same stupid things because the, the die has been cast. The momentum has already been created. Well, he, and he, he conflated whether a mistake or not the IFR and the CFR, the infection fatality rate and the case fatality rate, which is a huge error, a huge difference. Right. The fact that he makes these kind of errors really should put into question his position. Like you don't want that type of a person having that kind of influence. That's, it's, it's like saying somebody with fat thumbs has, his, has the fingers on the nuclear trigger. Just they can't do that if they're going to be clumsy and launch a nuke on accident. That's what's happened here. Well, let's, let's think back also to, I mean, what, what short memories we have. What was the rationale for all this action? Two weeks to flatten the curve. That's the, the fourth thing that they're mentioning here in this article. What happened to flattening the curve? Where is it? I mean, seriously, anybody that anybody that's into this, you know, that's that's a that's a supporter of the the state of the corporate media. We got to ask, what about flattening the curve? What what's your rationale? How did this change? Do you know? I mean, well, the curve, the curve was flattened uh, as we went into the summertime. The number of cases dropped. Well, the deaths dropped. The, the case counts dropped, the deaths dropped. The problem with, and this was pointed out at the time, I think even by people here at the uh, American Institute for Economic Research, when you flatten something, it, it widens and lengthens. So we, by hiding from this virus, we only, uh, we only prolonged the, the time it was going to be around. And that shows in the total death data all causes you see a spike in april and then a little bit of a blip in the summer that we wouldn't have had if we had just taken care of it. in fact i would argue that we wouldn't have had any other any more deaths i think the state caused a lot of deaths by locking people in nursing homes there's, keeping people from getting medical care that they needed alcohol drug abuse depression well there's also uh, an admission Lo loneliness of, of malpractice early on doctors were afraid for themselves so they put patients on ventilators those ventilators killed the patients. Yeah. And the doctors knew, they admit in a Wall Street Journal article, 
they knew that what they were doing was risky and probably would harm the patient, but they were so afraid for their own safety that they basically killed the patient to preserve their own CYA, cover your butt. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we had a prediction that 1.1 million Americans would die in the spring by Neil Ferguson of the uh, Imperial College. He's back into the in the spotlight, by the way. Somehow he hasn't been utterly discredited and fired and banished. He's he's back in the spotlight, pronouncing more death and destruction. Mm-hmm. See, and the reason that the reason that uh, we know that the fix is in is because the media is not helping to oust these people. The media is on their side. That, there's that, no no accountability. Yeah, there's no accountability. These the the fourth estate, the media, used to be at least somewhat involved in bringing up when we had obvious discrepancies, obvious cognitive dissonances like this. They, they would, they've got ample material on record that they could come back and say this happened. And so all of the investigative all of the critical thinking journalism is being done by small independent sources now. If you're if you're listening to corporate media, any sort of a subsidiary of CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, it's cooked. Come on, I mean, all of it. So and these are the same. By the way, the same big conglomerate media powers are the same people pushing for the uh, censorship and the silencing of those smaller independent. Yeah, they're they're the ones that want the censorship, and they're the ones engaging in the censorship. They hire uh, fact checkers. I saw an interesting tweet the other day that said there were no fact checkers until uncomfortable facts started being exposed. (laughs) Oh, good point. Good point. Ferguson predicted best case scenario one point one. I think the more the more publicized number was two point two million. Right. In the in the U.S. In the alone. U.S. And, and so and far, so far the best the best I can tell, I think, based on total death data and factoring in comorbidities, I think that w- we could generously give the CDC 125,000 deaths approximately due to this seasonal cold, this bad cold. But it is a th- it is a thing. I'm not I'm not discounting that. I think the Great Barrington Declaration was really astute. We should work on protecting old people, people who have uh, the potential to get really sick. But that's it, you know? And of course, we know that the death, de- the pro- projected deaths was all a scare tactic. That's it's a couple of different ways to motivate people in this world uh, in marketing. And, you know, coronavirus isn't very sexy, so you have to use fear to sell it. <laughs> So uh, that's that's what's been going on. So that's why they predict the deaths. Researchers in, researchers in Sweden use the Imperial College model to predict 95,000 deaths. And Sweden, who didn't do anything, the, the oligarchy machine, the tyrannical machine wanted them to do, has only experienced about 8,000 deaths. So they're way off. Of these 12 things that... Uh... This article highlights like a full half of them involved Dr. Fauci. And he recently admitted to the New York Times that he, quote, moved the goalposts because the American people were not ready for the truth. He said that. Oh, yeah. There's another article we'll have to link to here uh, that ended up on Zero Hedge. 
and it's titled, Did Fauci Just Admit He Lied About Herd Immunity to Trick Americans into a Vaccine? Yes, he did admit that. Yes, it, he, he, he claimed repeatedly 60 to 70% herd immunity, and now it's up to almost 90%. This guy, this guy can't be trusted. It's whatever, he, whatever they want, they get to say reality is whatever I said today, and don't, don't remind me of what we were telling you a week ago. Well, and, and pre-2020 herd immunity research it was never they could never pin that down because it's a moving target right some but researchers it, think that it's 20% some is even as low as 10% but it was never it was never an, a 90% that's absurd that's not herd immunity that's right. everybody getting sick right and since we're talking about 90% let's let's point out that they've been saying the vaccines would be 90% effective well even the cdc admits that the flu vaccine is never more than 10 to 60% effective so how could a vaccine that's been developed in six months, all of a sudden become 90% effective. That's just a flat out lie. Well, the 95 or 90% number is misleading anyway, because because it's based on the their clinical trial. And I'm not going to have the numbers exact, but it was, it was basically 3000 people. This is Pfizer, 3000 people, right? They cut the group in half, half were given a placebo, half were given the uh, the actual the vac- vaccine. The vaccine. In the placebo group, a few people got sick or tested positive. In the vaccine group, a few people also tested positive, but just a few less people. And so they call that 95% when it's just, it's ridiculous to say that. So basically they're just making crap up and they have a number that means something different to them than it does to you. And regular the, the people public, when they hear it. The public sees that and, and reads it as, I, I will take this safe and effective. That's the, the, the phrase that's been bandied about by, by the propagandists. I will take this safe and effective vaccine, and I have a 95% chance of, of being immune to COVID-19. That's, the, that's what people think, mm-hmm. even though that's not what the vaccine even claims to do. All, is it, all, of, all that it's claiming to do is... is lessen the severity of symptoms. That's not a vaccine. That's not what vaccines do. They're changing the definition of vaccine right yeah. in front of our eyes. Right. Right. And these are and these these aren't even mentioned in the article, but that's that's something we've definitely got to talk about is the fact that vaccine logic has dramatically changed just this year. The idea that you get vaccinated so that you personally can be protected is now out the window. They're going to claim that everyone needs to get vaccinated for you to be protected, which is a massive farce because the whole premise of a vaccine is that the recipient is protected. The CDC tweeted um, recently, and I'm, I'm reading their tweet. This was, this was 1223. So just before Christmas, this is from the official CDC Twitter account. Quote, until every person in the U.S. can get a COVID-19 vaccine, continue to wear a mask, keep at least six feet between yourself and others, avoid crowds, and wash your hands often. Wait a minute. Did it just say every person? Until every person in the U.S., three point, or 330 million people, including children, can get a COVID-19 vaccine, continue the charade. Holy cow. That's not how vaccination works. It's not how herd immunity works. 
Well, not until 2020. <laughs> not until this year. Everything's changed. Right. And how long will it take for every person to get a vaccine? You're certainly going to have people who don't want well, the vaccine. Well, yeah, half, half what of the people them? don't want it. Are they and, going to be pinned down and, and jabbed forcibly? And there's a there's a lot of damage control control that's going on because there are a ton of health professionals that don't want these vaccines. There's a lot of stories in alternate media about 50, 60% of hospital staff doesn't want to do it in Europe and in, in America. Well, like we talked about earlier, the presence of propaganda itself is a red flag. The The vaccine came out and who were the first people to get it? Social media, traditional media, news media was flooded with images of healthy, young healthcare workers getting the vaccine. These are people that that are not susceptible. At risk. Yeah. They're healthy, they're young. So even if they do get it, they're the type of people we need for herd immunity. Young healthy people are not susceptible to this virus, not at all. Even old healthy people are not that at that much risk. So you have all of these healthcare people getting jabbed and politicians and everybody It's a big marketing except, campaign. Except the people who are actually at risk. Old people that are in long-term care facilities. They still aren't getting the vaccine and it's been out for a, a few weeks. Where is the urgency there? Shouldn't we be seeing shouldn't we be seeing file footage and videos of of trucks pulling into hospitals and 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 other places unloading boxes of this? Shouldn't we see this brigade this 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 water brigade of vaccination going on amongst the people who are at risk? No, instead we're seeing Mitt Romney and Joe Biden and 20 something nurses except for the one that passed out. <laughs> this is this is a big marketing campaign and we'll have to link to a montage uh, a monologue that Tucker Carlson did on this where he talked about and he's in favor of vaccines but he pointed out look we, we never do this this is not something that you would normally do with a vaccination there must be something wrong because they're having to promote it so much and he, he brought up the history of uh, the idea of forced vaccinations in America, and there was an episode where it went to court, and we've decided that you don't force vaccinations. The, the longstanding tradition has been that the companies that produce the vaccinations have a responsibility to inform and make their products safe and, and give people enough information that they can make the decision on their own and, and to via knowledge help them recognize why they would want it rather than forcing it and so we're seeing something similar to that happening except that it's not so much truth and, and information being put out it's a marketing campaign of of popularity all these young healthy good-looking or politically loved people are the ones that are getting the vaccinations and it's and it's a big uh popularity contest that we're seeing and, and one more thing, let's, let's remind the audience that prior to the year 2020, herd immunity it was generally thought to be developed naturally. Every year, the population in, uh, of the world and, and, and countries around the world develop herd immunity to influenza and to coronavirus, to rhinoviruses, to a wide variety of, of diseases. 
naturally. That occurs naturally. And that's why those diseases run their course. It's also why, for the most part, the annual flu shot is targeted at, at older people. They're not, they're not trying to encourage 20-somethings. Well, they hadn't prior to the last 10 years. Now, you see a lot of marketing, and you've seen it ramped up steadily in the last few years about getting your flu shot. Flu shots here, you know, you've got Walgreens, uh, the other pharmacies, Walmart. Walmart. Everybody will say you can get your flu shot here. That's, that's a big marketing push, I think, because it's profitable for these companies. It's hugely profitable because they know they have the, the government on their side. They have fear on their side. And wow, look at that. They're doing the exact same companies are doing the exact same thing with this supposed vaccine, which yeah. isn't a vaccine, which they admit is not a vaccine under the traditional terminology. And it's a perfect business model because you can induce a significant segment of the population to get, to buy your product and they have no liability. They have, in, in the 1980s, there were laws passed in the United States to limit or remove entirely the liability of these pharmaceutical companies relative to immunization. They did that to, uh, they didn't want to disincentivize the research and development of vaccines. Yeah, and, and this was important because there was a slew of lawsuits in the works because in the 70s and 80s, that's when you started to see the, the children of the baby boomers being vaccinated in mass. And there were plenty of vaccine injuries. They, they established a congressional fund, or the Congress established a fund run by the government, a little agency that's paid out about $4 billion so far, thousands of people. And it's secret. The reason, and they want to, they there, there's a movement right now to try and lobby the government to, to get rid of that fund because people are starting to find out about it. But it's been a secret for many, many years and it's paid out a heck of a lot of money to these people who have vaccine injuries. Most people don't know they're vaccine injured. They don't know that that exists. They don't know there's anything they can do. And one of the great hoaxes, the great uh, heists of 2020 is convincing a whole bunch of healthy people, billions of healthy people, that they're sick and they need to act like they're sick. And if you don't, then you're a criminal. It's, it's madness. We've thrown out decades, if not centuries, of medical, the, the accumulation of medical knowledge. We just flushed it all out. It's all just, the bottom has just come on, just, just been eliminated. Everything's fallen out, at least when it comes to communicable, communicable respiratory viruses. We've just eliminated centuries of, of accumulated knowledge. This isn't in the article, and I think we've probably gone through all the points we, we need to in that article, but... Uh... Asymptomatic spread, that's one of those things that has uh, flip-flopped this year. When we started the year, asymptomatic spread was not a thing, meaning people who don't have symptoms, who are not sick, don't spread disease. And this is one of the things that the Bakersfield doctors, Dr. Erickson in particular, brought up is that we quarantine the sick, not the healthy, because the healthy don't spread disease. If the healthy spread disease, we would always always be sick. There would always be significant illness among all of us because we would always be sick. Right. We wouldn't know. And so therefore we'd always be spreading it to each other. Fauci himself, again, we, we bring up Fauci's flip-flops. He said early in the year, asymptomatic spread does not drive pandemics. Right. And then you had the World Health Organization 
uh, had a couple of doctors that found in their studies that asymptomatic spread was extremely rare. Then they black holed that. And then just recently, again, it's coming up that asymptomatic spread is very rare. But where is this in the news media? It is apparently not conducive to their political goals or the agenda. If they accept that asymptomatic spread is rare, then it wipes out the need for masks, social distancing, lockdowns, isolations, school closures, sports closures. It undoes everything. I kind of think the the coronavirus was foisted upon the world because we weren't buying the global warming thing. If they could convince us that if we did not pay them attention and money immediately, that the sun would not come up tomorrow, I think they would try it. But the problem is that's a daily thing, and we at least the public has that good of a memory that we can remember that the sun comes up every day. But you get this massive amount of what I would call fear pornography or fear porn in the in the media where and they will they'll never backtrack and there's nobody out there uh, in in the corporate media that seems to be interested in reality. I guess Tucker Carlson kind of is, you know, he's one of those guys. I mean, there's probably a few, but just being rational doesn't sell. The usual suspects in the climate change racket are present in the corona racket and they're starting to combine the two saying things that fighting coronavirus is also fighting climate change and they're 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 saying that and the, you know and they use their flowery language of equality and access and and uh, well they've got the same peace. slogans and insults too like if you deny coronavirus you're a holocaust denier yeah they love this 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 word denier, they put everything in, in these... Into uh, slogans. Slogans and also into religious terminology. You're a science believer or you're a science denier. And that's because it's a religion. It, Let's it be is. honest. It's this a is cult. a religion. It's a cult. It's the cult of leftism. It's a disease of leftism or statism or whatever. I think it's also, it's manifesting itself bizarrely as a death cult. There are people, again, I know social media is not super representative of reality, but there are people out there who... Some of them are the check marks, you know, the certified people. Some are just regular Twitter users, but they are they seem disappointed that this isn't killing more people. Right. Let me let me pull up this article from Steve Watson at Summit News. Uh, A British journalist has been targeted by an angry online mob after pointing out that only a relatively small amount of healthy people have died from covid. So she's over there pointing out that only 377 healthy people under 60 have died of covid in the UK. That's a big deal. And as she says, that's not a typo. There are no zeros missing. And she's got people angry with her. Like they're coming after her. They want to cancel her, you know? Go back to March when all of this really kind of exploded. We've had almost exclusively good news. The death rate is far lower than we were told. The, the contagious... You make uh, a really good point here. The, con, the It's it's far less contagious than we were told. It's, it's far less devastating than we were told in every conceivable metric. And yet, all of that stuff is getting ignored. None of it matters. We knew really early on that there were some promising alternative treatments. That got hammered. We knew going forward that it's really only dangerous as this person points out to old people for old people who are also sick yeah or or to very sick sick. young people all of this good news 
is being is has been buried in favor of what masks isolation lockdowns wait for the vaccine our own propagandists here in the state of utah governor herbert will stand up there and he will say we have to keep doing this stop behaving badly you're responsible for the spread of this virus because it's using our love for one another to spread around the state and we have to stop behaving badly until there's a vaccine until there's a vaccine dr angela dunn the epidemiologist stands up we have to stop behaving badly we have to keep wearing masks we have to keep isolating we have to stay six feet apart we have to keep getting tested until there's a vaccine until there's a vaccine not a word about vitamin d zinc vitamin c sunshine exercise good diet hydrochloroquine is that allowable hydroxychloroquine is it sleep hydroxy okay just your your basic your basic tenets of of good health zinc all of those things are erased in favor of Hide, hide your body in the basement, hide your face in public, and wait for the vaccine. Well, the vaccine's here, and you know what we're just a few days from doing, I think? Predictions. We are just a few days or weeks from quarantining vaccinated people. We already are, aren't we? I mean, the same things apply. Like I was at, uh, I might have mentioned this last time, I was at a restaurant having breakfast the other day and they wanted me to, me to wear a mask and I said well I've already had it I'm not a danger to you or anyone else oh well it's policy well I have yeah, a health it's, condition it's policy. I've also got a health condition that uh, prohibits me uh, well sir we need you to wear a mask um, well can I just go outside you're you're just going to seat me over there we literally they wouldn't I, I didn't have a mask and Fortunately, the lady that we were with, one of the people we were with, she had a mask and let me borrow it because the girls in that restaurant were not, I don't think they were true believers, but they knew that they could lose their job or that they could get fined if they, they, got, they could get in trouble from the health department. So that's what they were upset about. Like, and I'm like, well, I'll just go outside. No, 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 you have to have a mask. And so I got a mask and held it up in front of my face for about 30 seconds. And then they walked us 10 steps to, from the front door. Meanwhile, that's where we sat down. Meanwhile, five or six people left the restaurant without masks. This is, this is a charade. It's absurdity beyond belief. I've joked that if we just all walked hunched over, we would be safe because clearly the virus only spreads up around six feet in the air, but when you sit down at a restaurant, this is probably why little kids little kids are basically immune anyway, because yeah, they're short. They're, they're, they're short. <laughs> yeah. The virus, it's it 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 floats in the air and it doesn't drop down to surfaces or the ground. Right. So, so all the of this, you are, I would make <laughs> the argument that every shred of this from the very beginning has all been a charade. It's all been an exercise in demoralization, as we've talked about, in manipulation. And it's a way to see just how much power and authority they can, they, that these, these local governments, all the way up to world NGOs like the UN and the WF and the IMF and all these other idiots, how much oppression they can, they can get away with. Well, and I would argue it's not that they're just trying to see. It's that they're separating us, demoralizing us, make, render, rendering the public inert and helpless, unable to mount a coordinated response 
unable to recognize who the true enemy here is. We're literally in World War III. It's asymmetric psychological warfare. And we think in terms of wars with nations, but we don't recognize that the, the warring between nations has always been a war between oligarchy and people. And so we're literally in World War III right now. We don't recognize it. We're always fighting the last war. You're right. We're in an information war. And it's not just a war for airwaves and for clicks. It's a war for our minds. Right. And my point was that their goal is not simply to see how much power they can exercise, but it's literally to take more control and achieve whatever nefarious goals they may have. One of the most significant things of 2020 that we haven't talked about, that I think needs to be talked about more, is that on December 22nd, I believe, Donald Trump gave, and again, I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. I'm not like waving flags at my house. I can honestly say I didn't ever vote for the guy. It's not that I don't like him better than the, the alternatives, but I can honestly say I don't have a dog in that race, so to speak. But I think he's way better than some of the alternatives, personally. On the 22nd of this year, he gave a speech. It was a great speech. I don't know if you've watched it yet or not, but... We'll link to it. We'll link to it. He outlined in great detail and in... I don't know if, I don't know if I'd even say uncharacteristically, but in a cogent, direct manner, all of the evidences for voter fraud and how this election was being stolen. And he called out the mainstream media as being in a conspiracy or in cahoots with the 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 statists or the Democrat Party is the way he terms it. I don't think it's just the Democrat no, Party. No, there's plenty of Republicans. Yeah. But he called everybody out. And this is a sitting president of the United States and not a single network picked him up. I think it was only broadcast on Facebook because they broadcast it there. I think OWN, O-A-N-N, picked him okay. up. But, but I, none, I, of, none, but, of the, none of the corporate net, networks right. picked him up. And, and they, they broadcast it. The White House broadcast it on Facebook. And Facebook, to their credit, if we're going to give them any credit, didn't shut him down didn't midstream. Didn't pull the plug. But you know, we'll have to link to uh, a recording of this speech. But the, the implications of this are astounding. He calls them out as if they are literally engaged in a coup which is what a lot of people are calling it, and it gets no press. That, that type of an accusation coming from a sitting president, if that's not newsworthy, worthy, nothing is newsworthy, whether it's true or not. I mean, think back to back in the day when they seemed to be interested in profits for the sake of profits and not for the sake of agenda. That's huge news. Like, that would rile, that would rile everybody. And, and, and looking just at... The makeup of America, if it is split 50-50, and if there are a lot of, um, you know, true believer leftists out there, statists, that would rile them to the core. That would be, that would be totally newsworthy. That would be, well, it, they, they, they would get played over and over again. It would get all kinds of, of retweets and plays. And, it's a statement. It's an accusation that should terrify everybody who believes in honest democracy but i'm just saying it, i'm just saying it's it would sell it would it yeah. sells yeah. so if that's if, if if you think the media is just doing this stuff for profit that's not true they have a legitimate agenda yeah but the, but they have an actual this this is perhaps the most significant thing he ever said 
it's astounding. We're literally living in that moment in 1984 when everything changes and all the people, or it appears that all the people, that, and, that, and that's one thing we ought to point out. It appears that all the people are on board, but it's not all the people. I think that what we have is the media attempting to create a reality if you're listening to this, you know, this is, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Terminator. If you, if you're listening to this transmission, you are the resistance. I, I love that. But I think there's a lot more people out there that are the resistance than you think. This is not like Terminator where they actually have the type of power that that movie portrays. Uh, my guess is that 60% of America recognizes what's going on. They're just waiting to see what happens. And the, it, it demonstrates how powerful the mainstream me- corporate media is because it's it's keeping us inert. It's keeping us from, from doing anything or saying anything. And so I, again, we like to talk about solutions. If you are listening, if you want to do something, just start talking to people. Bring up the inconsistencies. Bring up the lies. Start making it known what your position is because we'll all hang separately or we'll all hang together. It's another reason I like to bring up masks. The masks are a symbol of our inertness. And just because you go out there and everybody at Walmart's got one on does not mean that everybody behind that mask, that mask thinks that this is all normal. I don't, I don't think very many people think that anything going on right now is normal. Mm-hmm. I think more people than, than we realize, and, I, and I'm hopeful about this just as you are, are looking at the man on the stage and saying, wait, I thought we were at war with East Asia, not Eurasia. Now we're at war with Eurasia? Five minutes ago, it was... I think it was switched. I get those mixed up too. Five minutes ago, (laughs) we weren't supposed to wear masks. Now we're supposed to wear masks? Right. Wait, they told us that when we got the vaccine that this would all go away. We're getting the vaccine now and this isn't all going away. What... What's going right, on? Right, so so now that the people are coming to a recognition, uh, at least a significant portion of the population, watch out for the next false flag or the next crisis because we need to be distracted. It's going to be blamed on that, you type of people. Yeah, I, I think that 2021 will not be more calm than 2020. They They have set in motion events that cannot be stopped. They must continue and therefore... As people wake up, they're going to have to invent greater and greater reasons for you all to be scared and fearful of each other and to not take positive, rational action relative to talking to your legislators, uh, talking to other people, opening up your businesses, things like that. Vaccine passports or immunity passports are already being floated in mainstream media. The flip side of that is... Basic, the basic premise is that if you're going to travel, you need to have these immunity passports. Well, the flip side is that those who don't, not only will they not be able to be, not only will they not be able to travel, but it will be okay to persecute those people. The same way that it's okay right now to persecute people who don't wear masks or who don't social distance or who have their family over for Thanksgiving dinner. You don't realize the influence you have on your circle. You need to speak up and show other people that there are more folks out there that are thinking rationally so that they can avoid getting caught up in the in the mind prison, in the this groupthink that is destroying our society. Speak up. And send people to our website. 
mindvirus.show. Are we going to have social media presence? Uh, a question to be answered another day. <laughs> That's a good question. Well, what good would it do? <laughs> well, this has been a good talk. We've, uh, We've hit some of the topics that uh, we set out to. We've also rehashed some, but that's okay because I think all of this is, it's all related to each other. Well, let's do it again. Signing off, uh, if we don't see you before next year, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody, and uh, stay safe. Stay home, stay safe. (laughs) Start thinking. Think for yourself and be safe.